Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD tools and strategy, in-person conversations. And with us in our virtual studio is the Dr. Ari Tuckman, one of our favorites and the perfect guest for our content tonight. Before we get into the show, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Order. In celebration of that event, we're giving away free copies of uh, Attention Magazine in digital format. In order to get your copy, what you need to do is just listen to our show. We'll share a secret word a few times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Listen for the secret word. Write it down and then send me an email with both uh, secret words. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And when I get it, I will put it in process and we'll get you a copy of Attention Magazine in PDF form. Um, that's the current edition and uh, send you one for the next edition that's in print. Um, also, the 2020 Annual International Conference on ADHD for the first time is uh, going virtual because of the COVID-19 virus. Um, it's scheduled for November 5th through the 7th. Originally, it was going to be in Dallas, but now it's going to be online. Um, you can learn more about it at chadd.org. Um, this program is being taped in May, uh, so it'll be a little bit before there's more information on it. But the good news about this is that uh, there's no reason not to go because it's virtual. Uh, the bad news is it's not going to be in person, and we're going to talk about the downside of some of that stuff in the content of our show today. But given um, the, the state of things, it is going to be virtual. So hopefully um, uh, for those who weren't able to attend the conference that you can uh, chime in. Um, we have a little tip that we're going to play uh, for Chad, and then we'll get into the show. Chad is the nation's leading nonprofit organization that serves people affected by ADHD. We provide expert advice to help support and inform families, adults, educators, and professionals. Chad offers comprehensive programs and services at both the national and local levels. We understand the needs and concerns of those with ADHD. We're here to help. Learn more at chad.org. Thanks again, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, CHAT is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to um, donate or become members. Uh, by being a member, uh, you're contributing financially to CHAD, uh, but you're also getting a lot of great benefits. The reason we need a, a strong um, CHAD financially is they're the ones that advocate for us um, on Capitol Hill and different regulatory agencies to get accommodations and things to help those with ADHD thrive. Again, um, to learn more, to donate, or just to become a member, go to chadd.org. <clears throat> okay. Now, Dr. Ari Tuckman is one of our favorites to interview. He's very, very insightful, um, a lot of, got a, a lot of great tips. Um, he's a clinical psychologist who specializes in diagnosing and treating uh, children, teens, and adults with a Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. He's the author of four books, including his newest one, ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationships. He's a frequent speaker and has given more than 400 presentations on ADHD and other topics. He has over 100 episodes 
and more than uh, 2 million downloads of his More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. He's a former member of the National Board of CHAD and uh, their current conference co-chair. More information on him can be found at www.adultadhdbookstore.com. And with that, Dr. Tuckman, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. I'm kind of excited about today. The, um, the topic is basically uh, – ADHD strategies, and I think the the in person conversation is not is often looked over as a ADHD strategy. And I I don't remember where I first heard it, but somebody had said, you know, people with ADHD are kind of voice activated. And I mm. started thinking about that notion, and we've done lots of shows talking about uh, working memory, and often people with ADHD need to talk out loud. And when you're talking with somebody, you get uh, nonverbal communication, and there's some exchange. And really, I thought it would be kind of fun just to sit down and kind of talk about uh, in-person conversations. And in our world, we're starting to lose. We're using more digital means, and those conversations are disappearing. And more and more, I'm finding people with ADHD are struggling because we've lost those the in-person um, discussions, uh, which is very, mm-hmm. very helpful to them. Uh, in your work, have you noticed anything with regard to them struggling more because people are not in conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, electronic conversation, whether it's, you know, chatting or email or text, or frankly, even like, you know, video call, it's a lower, well, it's definitely convenient. Like, you know, there's definitely a place in the world for it. It is really helpful, but it's kind of a lower bandwidth sort of a thing. Like you don't get tone, you don't get body language. um, You don't, it's sometimes harder to sort of like, there isn't the flow of a conversation. There isn't that self-correction of a conversation. Mm -hmm. If you say something, I'm like, I don't know if I entirely understand. Wait, say that again. Or what do you mean by that? Or I was thinking this, like you don't get that sort of flow. Um, so it makes it easier to misinterpret, to not fully understand, to not fully grasp. Um, and I think for our, for our folks with ADHD, it makes it harder to kind of pay attention to cause, and then to take it into, you know, memory and process it and, and do something with it. So, so, yeah, I think there's something gained, but there's also something lost. Yeah, so it's I'm gonna th- there's so many different things to kind of talk about. So it's it's to me ADHD is so much as an issue of self regulation with a working memory challenge. And you talked about something I think is really really important that I want to highlight in a conversation with somebody when you're face to face with them. I think I've heard 30% of communication is the actual words. 70% is nonverbal communication, whether it's tone, pitch, cadence, and stuff. And somebody with ADHD often, particularly and social situations, there's so much that's communicated in that conversation that's lost when you go digital that really makes it a lot easier, I think, for people with ADHD to kind of pick up on things and, and understand what's going on. Um, even if they're talking to somebody and that person looks kind of confused, oh, I'm not kind of getting it right. They might be able to check in where you can't do that as easily by a digital. Thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true. And, you know, I think the, I think the flip side also – uh, you know, so there's the aspect of the communication itself, but I think also because this digital communication is often easier, I think there tends to be more of it, you know, so like the quality is lower, but the quantity is higher. So for me to remember and for me to process that one email that you sent occurs within the context of the 20 other emails that I got, you know, mm. so I have to think about it and know what to do about it and then file it away 
And I think that, you know, for folks with ADHD, part of it is having trouble kind of separating out the wheat from the chaff, you know, figuring yep. out what is the most important thing to pay attention to, what are the secondary less important things, not getting caught up on something that's maybe interesting but not necessarily important. Um, and, you know, when this flood of electronic communication, I think it's much harder to, for any of us, but especially for some of us, to do that. So, so for me, when I get emails that when people are having a conversation via an email, it's almost like I have to flip back through the conversation. I call it rereading. Mm-hmm. I got to get my working memory into it and loading that in. And I, I, sometimes I talk about um, when you're multitasking. Uh, if it's complicated stuff, you've got to kind of boot up your computer. When you turn your computer on, it takes a while for the operating system to come mm-hmm. up and all the tools. And so it's like every time I have – when I'm switching topics or I'm reading the threads, I've got to sit there and I've got to boot up my computer. So imagine in your day you boot up your PC, you boot it down, you boot up your Mac, you boot it down, you boot up your PC. You spend all your time booting up booting down, which is taxing to your working memory, which creates a little bit of a problem. Another example that I recently was coaching an individual – who we were doing uh, some work with trying to get a bookkeeper in for them. And this person had some financial data that was in a legacy system, and we were on this call, and the person said, well, we'll just get me this information from the software program after this is over with. And I'm like, no, let's do it right now. And it was fascinating <laughs> because that we pulled it up because we were using a Zoom, and we went through it, and the person who made the request, they made, it was a generic request, but when we took a look at the software, it was not easy to find so not easy to find that the, the person with ADHD would have never found it. So then we would have gone back and forth on, on, on email strings for literally weeks, which is what the pattern was. Whereas with that in-person conversation and kind of getting to that detail right now, we saved ourselves weeks worth of effort on something that was seemingly difficult or seemingly simple, what actually was a little bit more complicated. And I think that really illustrates kind of something that you had said a little bit earlier is, Email strings, sometimes these conversations go on for forever, and if you just got on the phone and resolved that conversation, you could get to the point and then move on, which I think is lost. Right. Email's convenient, but sometimes I think the voice conversation is much more efficient. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely can be. Um, although there is, you know, like to come the other way, I mean, there is that benefit of an email string to be able to scroll up and say, like, wait, what did they say about that? Or what did I say I was going to do? So, like, you know, there are some advantages yep. to having that written record. Um, but, but, yeah, I think the, you know, the issue for most of us is we're just drowning in volume. And it doesn't allow us to really sort of stop and think. Yep. And, you know, so maybe that's one of the sort of bits of advice here. It's sort of easy to say but to try to be a little bit more intentional about how you do email or electronic communication of like, what do I need to say? What are the questions I need to ask? You know, what should I clarify? What are they going to probably need for me to tell them? So let me really kind of think. So in other words, to send, to send good emails and not just sort of rip off a half-assed one. Absolutely. I think this is really the key is intentional because you did a good point. There's somebody that I coach with, they, they liked, they get a phone call and stuff like that. They would really rather respond by email because then they have a narrative record. In their business, it was mm-hmm. really important to have the history, and they could file it where if they had a, a voice conversation with them, they would have sure. to take notes. It would be a bit of a challenge. Um, another – just this is how this kind of manifests in the world. Uh, through the COVID-19 
uh, epidemic, I was I've had a lot of CEOs that I was coaching, and they came to me because they were always work, they're all working from home. And one in particular, one day, wanted me to coach them on managing their emails. And I basically said, I'm sorry. And one of my philosophies is when you're working from home, you have to simulate the work environment as close as possible. And one of the things that I was advocating is in a work environment that you log into Zoom, not for a meeting, but you have the screen up all day long so you can see everybody that you work with on your team. And if you've got a question, you can have a conversation with them. And this little small dynamic, what was revealed was um, she wanted – she was struggling with managing her email because she was having conversations. And we went to this concept where all her direct reports were on Zoom and she could see them. She could just look up and see Jerry was at his desk and call Jerry and they would have that conversation immediately and she would resolve it there quickly. And the interesting thing about the Zoom hmm. thing is when you're in the office and you walk into somebody's office and they're on the phone or they're off the phone or whatever, your presence is there and the person knows what's kind of going on. But if you can't see them and you call somebody to have that often, you don't know if they're there, maybe they're gone for the day, or that person doesn't understand the urgency. So again, these things get put off and put off and they, they, the, 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 the technical stuff, it seems like it makes a lot of sense, but I find often it takes a lot more work. And so this is just another example of, in that situation, we averted the whole organizing your email box because it wasn't organizing the emails. It was really organizing our thoughts. Make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, by being able to see her teammates, she could then know when she could just act on it immediately. And, you know, the thing about just do it now is then you don't have to remember it. Absolutely. You don't have to file it away. You don't have to keep track of it. You know. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Tell you what, let's let's go to a break real quick. When we come back, I want to kind of focus on the learning environment when you're dealing um, with uh, digital means. Uh, for those uh, watching our show, our secret word tonight is in person. Our secret word is in person. Check out Ari at his website, adultadhdbook.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents. And Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach specifically trained to help students with ADHD and Executive Function Challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. 
Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by DigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckin having a conversation about uh, personal conversations being a great ADHD strategy. Um, this is a, something interesting that's personal to me, and that is learning. You know, Ari, sometimes people say, well, what are your questions? And I'm like, I need an education. I need a conceptual understanding of what's going on. And if I don't understand something, I don't even know what questions to ask. And I find that to be exceptionally frustrating and difficult when I'm trying to, I mean, literally, I'm just guessing at questions to find out what's kind of going on. And I'm finding more and more in our world, people are just like, they're tactically you're having to learn some stuff. And I, I think people with ADHD, some of them that are bigger picture need to understand this stuff, but it's really in interacting with somebody they can kind of listen to what you're asking and have a better idea of what to present to you to help you understand it. Do you see any of this in your practice where people struggling just kind of like with interacting and learning things because they don't really even know the questions to ask? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, if it's, if you have a specific question and in, sometimes a quick email or text is helpful. You know, hey, what's the due date for that? Or, you know, how, many, how big does this proposal need to be or something where it's a very specific question to ask. But definitely there's a lot of times where the person I'm talking to, they don't even know what they don't know or they don't, they don't yet know what they need to know. Or, you know, in that, that vagueness and the not yep. knowing is one of the contributors, it's one of the drivers of procrastination and avoidance. So sometimes the first job is to just have the conversation um, and to sort of get the information. And there's definitely been times for myself where as much as I can, you know, crank out quick emails between sessions, you know, there are times where I'm like, you know what, let's just talk for a minute. Like, you know, I don't, rather than going back and forth on 50 emails, let's just have a quick conversation because that allows, it's again, it's that self-correction. You know, it allows you to quickly adapt the conversation based on the, you know, answers of the first one or two questions kind of thing. It's, and it's potentially much more efficient. It's, it's, so it's interesting. When you're dealing with somebody, it's less taxing to your working memory because you hold that, but you're also getting direct feedback. So I'll never forget I was coaching this high school kid one time, and he had a paper that the teacher gave him feedback on, and he went back to his dorm room, and he was like paralyzed by it all. And I'm like, yeah. I knew that his working memory was really, really taxed. And I said, you need to go back and sit down and get paragraph by paragraph feedback, like get the feedback, rewrite it, get the, you know, and go all the way through it. And I got done, and I was thinking, you know, I think this makes a lot of sense because he's got a challenge working memory. But I was like, am I, am I in line here? Well, it just so happens, like two months later, I think I was in, um, we were at a conference, and I had a meeting with Dr. Barkley, and I was having this guy. Like, I, I, we're talking about something else, but I brought this thing up and I said, you know, this guy has tax working memory and I was kind of advocating for this to happen and he needed to be with the teacher to get the feedback. And I said, you know, from your perspective, he said, that's exactly right, Jeff, you were spot on. Sometimes there's a few things that are happening. Number one is they need the direct feedback when they're putting those things together, like paragraph by paragraph, because they can't hold it all. Or when they're doing this, they're working memory so taxed so that if they, they had it all, they can't hold all that stuff in there. And again, I think this bodes itself when you're getting into these face-to-face inter, these -face interactions because if you're getting in-person feedback, 
you're moving forward. If it's digital, it's in chunks. It spans a long period of time, and it makes it more difficult for the person to self-regulate, to keep focusing in on it because it's effortful to come back, whereas sitting down and working your way through it is so much easier for people with ADHD. It's invisible, but it's powerful. And I don't think a lot mm-hmm. of people – one purpose of the show is a lot of people haven't really thought about this a lot and that this really is a strategy. Just, I mean, have you had any, does this make some sense? Yeah, no, I think it absolutely does. And, you know, like with your student, by being able to sort of have that conversation again, it sort of, it almost, it, it splits the working memory load between the two of them, you know, between yep. the student and the professor. Like they don't, the student doesn't have to hold all of that information in his mind at once to then try to figure out what to do with these, you know, comments on the paper. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it, it's sort of, I think the wisdom is knowing which strategy is going to work best in which situation. And, yep. you know, no one strategy is perfect for everything, but, but it's that kind of like knowing what works best and not just in general for people, which isn't really actually a thing. It's just an average. Um, but really for me in this situation, what is going to be my best strategy? And, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, like just some, I could, there's a million examples, but like one of them, you know, my roommate in grad school really liked doing study groups because for him that worked to be able to talk it yep. out, to bounce ideas, to explain, to ask questions, whatever. I was more of a like, just give me my stuff. Let me sit in my room. I'm going to put my music on, but otherwise like I'm just going to do my thing. Like for me, that was the better way. So neither of them is right or wrong. It's just a matter of using what worked well for each of us. So I can't, I couldn't agree with you more, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have this show is more and more um, we begin to assume that we've got to go off and do it by our, by yourselves, and the idea is to talk about the little intricacies of some of these things so people can do this a little bit more intentionally. And what you said a second ago I think was really, really interesting, and that is to talk it out and bounce ideas off of other people. Many people with ADHD, we call verbal processors. Like not to talk is not to think. You can sit by yourself and think in silence. But I can't tell you how many times I've coached people with ADHD. Literally, they're talking to somebody for 15 minutes. The other person doesn't say anything, and they come up with their aha, the solution, just in that conversation. Right. And I've actually had conversations with a couple of experts about not to talk is not to think. They have to externalize it. Then the other thing that you said that's really, really important, I cannot understand underscore the emphasis of this and that's brainstorming i have a story years ago i was i was going through a situation where i had a uh my son was 15 years old he had his learner's permit he was going to be driving in a year and i had a, a toyota sequoia that had eight eight seats in it and i had two complex carpools one was soccer and one was school and i had six kids so i had to have seven seat belts the car had 250,000 <laughs> miles is this on like it. a is this a, a story math problem? I feel like well, it, it, it almost used to get is, to I... soccer, but not to swimming. Jimmy needs to get to swimming, <laughs> but not to soccer. Now, I'm having to tee this up to understand the nature of kind of talking out loud, but the bottom line is the, the car had 250,000 miles. I was going to get rid of it in a year because he could drive, but the, the leather seats were so worn, the, the leather was tearing my, my pants. So solution number one was go to the store, get a seat cover on it. And I'm not going to go into the details, but that was really worse off. And then the other one was to get a quote to re-upholster um, the front seat, the two 
front seats and they were like $900 each. It was $1,800. So I had three solutions. One, keep ripping my pants. Two is this seat cover that didn't work. And other was reupholstered stuff. Now, reupholstering the seats was like $1,800. I probably could only sell the car for $2,500. So it just wasn't a viable solution. I'm telling you all this story because I was talking to somebody and just casually kind of like, oh, my God, this is such a pain in the butt. And they were just kind of kidding around. They said, too bad you can't get something like that at a garage sale. Now, when you're talking out loud with somebody, sometimes you'll talk and you'll come up with a solution on your own. Sometimes you'll talk and or you'll say, hey, Jeff, what about this? But in this situation, the person was kidding around and they said, garage sale. And what came to my mind instantaneous was the word junkyard. Yeah. And all right, I went to the computer and I Googled junkyards in Tampa. And at that time, literally on the front page of one of the, one of the sites, you could put in 2003 Sequoia tan seats and they were $126. <laughs> And oh. this very, very simple thing, but so often yeah. people with ADHD need that kind of brainstorm. They need those associations to kind of move them forward, and it's void when you're just sitting there by yourself. Sometimes people with ADHD will sit there for eight hours. Now, Ari, you might be able to get there, but if we take out these personal conversations, it is an important structure that I think is missed, and in that brainstorming process to come up with those ideas. So I know that's a funny story, but – how do you make that leap? Garage sale, something funny, to, oh, my God, I've got a practical solution to this. And this is mm-hmm. what happens often. Yeah. Which is well, being it's the thing of, of, like, you know, it's sort of you didn't know to look for it because, like, you know, you had come up with all the ideas you, you could come up with. Yep. Um, but sometimes in that bouncing it off of somebody else, this stuff comes up that you didn't even think about. Like, I didn't even know that this was an option. And sometimes it's exactly like you said. It's not like this other person said, oh, you should go to a junkyard. This is a junkyard I went to, and they definitely have your kind of a thing where they just give it to you. Yep. You know, he, in this offhanded way, kind of made a dumb joke, and that, boom, sparked your idea. So, so yeah, I mean, there is something sometimes to, I don't know where this is going to go, but it might go somewhere. <clears throat> Which is sort of an interesting thing because there are sometimes, and this is more with like stubborn teenagers and kids and adults sometimes, but where it's sort of like they're closed down to the possibility because they're like, well, I can't think of anything. I don't see how that is going to be helpful. So therefore, let's not even bother trying. Like they don't sort of have any faith in the process. They sort of shut it down before it begins. <laughs> it's, it's funny because that, I call that kind of tunnel vision. Um, there's a coaching tool called Balance Coaching from CTI. And basically what that tool is, is you, you work with somebody and you're coaching them on something and you ask them a lot of questions to anchor them really in what's kind of going on. And then you back up and you try to like play around and say, well, how would somebody else do that? And what you're looking for is for somebody to say, I don't know, uh, what would El- uh, John Wayne do? Well, he'd, he'd, he'd bushwhack him at the pass. Or uh, what would Elmer Fudd do? I mean, I know this sounds kind of silly and stupid, but you do this and you keep going through it. You get a whole bunch of ideas because when they're stepping out of their head and they're like, again, bushwhack them at the pass or or whatever a character might be. Then you go back and you say, which one sounds the most exciting? And they go, oh, John Wayne. You go, well, what would it look like if you bushwhack them at the pass? And it's interesting when you do that, often they'll come up with a completely different answer because it's a tool to get them out of their head. As a coach, I don't care what it is, but you're looking to identify mm-hmm. with. That's the power of interacting with somebody to kind of help 
um, see things a little bit differently to kind of help you move forward. And again, all this stuff is void of electronic communications, or it spans a very, very long period of time and really taxes working memory, which makes it more difficult to self-regulate and kind of keeps flowing. So tell you what, let's do this. Yeah. This is a good stopping point. When I go to a break real quick, we'll come back and continue the conversation. Um, everyone, again, our secret word tonight is in person. Check out Ari's website, uh, adultadhdbook.com. He's got uh, podcasts there, his book there. There's a lot of great information. So check it out. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an EDGE coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman, one of our favorites to interview because he's, he's very, very insightful on this. And so um, really the purpose of this show today was really to illuminate all the advantage of the in-person conversation for people with ADHD. There's nonverbal communication. You get to talk out loud. It's less taxing to your working memory. Because you're doing it with somebody, it's easier to focus and stay on point. Again, it's really, really good. To your point, though, Ari, sometimes um, it's not necessary. And you, really it's about really being intentional. But what I had hoped to do was actually begin to identify some key points for people to understand um, the nature of it and what it does for people with ADHD because what I'm hoping to do is inspire people to advocate for themselves because more and more I think people are becoming more accustomed to like you just can't pick up the phone and call somebody. You've got to text them to schedule it or – Um, sometimes you actually have to fight to actually get to talk to somebody. I find this a lot in students um, uh, in in school. As I tell them, you know, the teacher's job is to make learning easy. And when I was in school, I would always beeline to the the professor's office, if you will, because I wanted to talk to them because I really wanted to understand exactly what I had to pay attention to. I didn't want to read anything I didn't really want to, and I could only get that from a conversation with them. And sometimes you'll call different organizations. You've got to sit in the phone tree for forever because it's like the last thing we want to do is have a conversation. But sometimes you've really got to have the discipline and advocate for yourself because it might take a while, but at the end of the day, it's going to take less time and be more efficient. Thoughts on this perspective? So. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point that you make. One of the things that I often recommend to my college students is 
that in the first week of the semester they make a point of going to office hours. You know, each professor has their office hours. And usually in the first week, there's no issue. Like, nobody else is showing up. So, um, but it gives them a chance to meet the professor, for the professor to meet them, to see that this is a student who's diligent and interested. But that sort of strategically what it does is it gives them an opportunity to ask the professor, like, tell me about the class. What are, what are the big themes we're learning? How does this class fit into progression of other classes if, if it does? Um, what are you hoping people are going to get out of being in this class? Um, so it gives them that kind of mental framework so that when that day-by-day -day lecture happens, when the day-by-day -day reading happens, it, they have that bigger structure to sort of put it into, like they know where it's going. Because I think mm -hmm. a lot of our students with ADHD, they just feel kind of like adrift, you know, like yep. I, I'm doing this reading or I got took these notes, but I don't know where the hell it's all going. I don't know how it fits together. I don't know what the overall like big learning is. Um, and because in order to do that, you need to be, that's again, it's a working memory thing. Like you got to be able to hold the big picture goal in mind simultaneously while you look at the little details. And then from there to be able to figure out which little details are important and which little details are not. And that's definitely easier said than done. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. So I want to, I want to, something else I want to kind of bring to your attention that's in person and kind of compare and contrast. Cause I think a lot of people with ADHD says I need somebody for accountability reasons in order to kind of go forward. And I'm not going to discount that, but I think sometimes people misunderstand it. There's that notion of a body double. For whatever reason, often people with ADHD can do something with somebody else in the room as opposed to being by themselves. And in, in a moment where you're with somebody and you're doing something, because what I have found is ambiguity is really 70, 80% of uh, procrastination, is you run into something that you're not clear about, you don't know where it is, you've got a question or whatever, and if it's not easy, now you have a self-regulation problem, you get up and you go do something else. So I'm going to tell this story. I'm coaching a woman one time that she's, she's got to go online and make some application for some CEU or it doesn't really matter. And she's been mm -hmm. procrastinating for a long period of time. So the idea was she needed to do it with somebody. So she witnessed this on a Saturday. She sat there in a room with her husband for about know, 45 or 50 minutes. And she was going through this thing online. And periodically there would be something that she didn't know how to interpret or didn't know where it was. And in that moment, she's with somebody in the room. If nobody was in the room, she wouldn't think out loud about it, or she'd have to go online and do some research, which is very laborious, might take a little bit of time, mm -hmm. whereas she would look over at her husband and say, I, what does this mean? And they would talk, and it was like the Sequoia story. Either in talking out loud, she'd come up with an idea, or he would say something or would spark something, and she would get back and resolve that, that issue and make the answer and get through that step. And so <clears> – <throat> This is a situation where having somebody in the room in that moment of ambiguity, you have somebody to bounce thing off of because you're getting outside of your head, so it's less taxing your working memory, and you're working through ambiguity in a very subtle type way that happens really quick, really quick, as mm -hmm. opposed to having to go do the effort to go find it. And so as I describe to people, sometimes it's not accountability. It's just having a person that you can talk out loud to, as you had said earlier, to resolve those little moments of ambiguity or get some feedback and sometimes to get permission to proceed. And again, these little 
things about being with people and the ability to talk, I find to be huge for people with ADHD that you don't necessarily think about. But that's an example of how a woman went forward. He wasn't holding her accountable. It was just when she hit these little moments that she didn't know how to interpret, what do you think of this? They had the conversation, and she resolved it quickly. Thoughts right. on that? Yeah. No, I think that – I think you know we've been talking a lot about the sort of cognitive aspects of this, but – but I think part of why this was successful for her was more of an emotional aspect in the sense that the conversation enabled her to better tolerate that ambiguity, you know, being able to bounce it off her yep. husband. She could kind of hang in there, persist through, and then get to, to a less ambiguous place. Whereas Absolutely. if she was on her own, she might have sort of bailed where it's like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. I can't tolerate this. I don't want to tolerate it. Let me go look over here. Let me check my email instead. Right? So she moves away from the ambiguity because it's too uncomfortable. And it just, you know, like it it obviously doesn't change the situation because when she comes back three days later, it's not like somehow now she knows more. Um, So, so yeah. So I think it, it kind of got her through rather than getting stuck in it. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because in that moment of ambiguity, that's when you get up and go get a cup of coffee, you go to the bathroom, do whatever, and now you're away from it, and it's really hard to kind of get back to that. And days later, you go back, you haven't resolved that issue. But again, the topic today was ADHD tools and strategy, in-person conversations, and having people among you that you can just sit up and chat about something is helpful. My my mother had said years ago, a lot of uh, a lot of creativity, a lot of problem solving left when we got rid of the smoking rooms. Because you think about it, you're at work mm. or wherever, yeah. you're at the desk, you walk outside, you're smoking. <clears throat> Believe it or not, nicotine actually helps focus. Um, I think Harvard has been toying around with trying to use nicotine as an alternative stimulus. The problem is titrating it. So you're out there, there's nothing really going on, but you're just kind of talking about what happened inside out loud, and either you come up with solutions to yourself or somebody says something, and, and really is plausible. It makes a lot of sense because you have that environment yeah. where people are there to naturally talk about, which is another thing is there's a lot of people that I've coached. <clears throat> they come to me like in, they're in their 40s or whatever. They were very successful in their 20s and 30s, and they, what they don't realize is they were in office environments, and they were interacting with people all the time. And mm-hmm. benefiting for the very things that we've outlined here. Now they're working at home and all that's void and gone. And they're doing like, why can't I do this? And I said, because you didn't have people there to bounce ideas off of, to learn and ask those questions. And it's a game changer often by just saying, listen, you've got to recreate that environment. Which goes back to the CEO that I said, like, get all your people on Zoom, recreate that office environment so you can have those personal interactions. So I hope this is really starting to illustrate the power of this and that <clears throat> digital communications is really good for certain things, but sometimes stop and advocate for yourself. <clears throat> Makes sense. Well, Aaron, yeah. anything else to add? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, whether it's a smoking room or the water cooler, it's the same deal. Yep. It's, uh, it's yep. a little bit more informal, a little bit looser, but, you know, it does provide something. And certainly, you know, as co-chair of the, you know, on the Chad side of the big ADHD conference, you know, our big sales pitch for the conference has always been that personal interaction, you know, like, and it's this stuff like you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. You know, you don't know who you're going to bump into in the coffee uh-huh. line. You don't know who's going to randomly be sitting next to you waiting for the presentation to start. So, you know, it's like those opportunities that are much harder to get in a virtual format. So, um, 
you know, the problem is like, it's the good and the bad. I mean, it, it's awesome being able to just log into a webinar and then you're done. You don't have to spend money to get there or any or travel or whatever. Um, but it's not the same thing. So, um, you know, so I think that as great as all this virtual stuff is, we also lose those, those little moments of possibility, maybe to coin a phrase. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's important to create more of those moments at this point yep. because we're naturally drifting away. Absolutely. It's It's a little bit effortful, but hopefully for those who are listening, uh, investing some of that effort and creating that environment makes it much easier for you to do your job. So with all that, uh, any last comments before we close this out, Ari? Um, yeah, I just think, you know, I think there's definitely something to this and I don't know, I guess just to come back to that last point that, because the path of least resistance is to, is to do something electronically. It's just so quick and easy, relatively speaking, um, you know, that we do lose those moments. It makes it, it makes it so that we have to be more intentional about creating those in-person moments. And I think that perhaps, you know, these times of quarantine are sort of really highlighting to us that those times of connection of, you know, in-person interaction, like how much we missed them because, yep. you know, the Zoom calls with friends are great, but they're not exactly the same. Like they're not. And, you know, hopefully as things ease up and as we all are smart and safe about it, presumably, um, you know, we can sort of appreciate and make, be a bit more intentional about creating those good moments, whether it's work stuff, school stuff, or personal stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So with all that, all right, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were the perfect guy for the perfect topic. Thanks again. Appreciate it. My, my pleasure, as always. Uh, everybody, you need to go check out Ari's website, adultadhdbook.com. There's a ton of information, podcasts, links to his book. Um, our secret tonight is in, secret word is in person. Again, our secret word is in person. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. We'll see you next week.